the New Testament. It is a privilege to be here today. It's a privilege to see each and every one of you. As I said earlier, I commend you as a congregation for your long suffering of enduring Brother Rick, loving Karen. She's such a lovable thing. Uh, but for the way that you've invested in him and the way that he's invested in you as well. It is a rare thing for a pastor to stay at a church beyond five years, let alone 32 years. That says something about you as a congregation, and of course it says something about Rick and Karen. As I said earlier, I'll say it again, it is great how you blessed them, and extraordinarily to have that time, and, and I know that they'll have uh, some stories to share with you. But also I would challenge you as a congregation, as he and Karen continue to bless you, for you in turn to bless them back. So I challenge you in that. In Matthew chapter 25, we're going to look at, again, the, pos the, the idea of transferring ownership entitled the message, the journey, the journey of spiritual stewardship. Everything we do as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a journey. We never arrive. We only arrive when we take our last breath in the presence of the King Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I get very excited when I preach. You've already sang two of my favorite songs, Shine Jesus, Shine, and then the anchor holds, so no telling. He told me I could preach as long as I wanted to preach. And uh, so usually it's been a while since I had the opportunity to preach. I do teach uh, two classes. I teach one class on Sunday morning along with my wife. And on Wednesday nights I teach a study influencing people for Jesus. But when I preach, uh, it's just a whole other story. It's a whole other deal. Uh, so sit back. Uh, we talked about yesterday about giving uh, a tithe to the Lord, our time. And a time, a tenth of 24 hours is what? Is, is two hours and 40 minutes. For those of you that stayed in Sunday school, you've been here an hour. So that means we'll be in service for an hour and 40. Those of you then can leave, and the others you will stay for another hour. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your grace and mercy. Grateful for Concord Baptist Church, for those soldiers that have gone on before us, for those that you've placed on a heart to start and establish this body of Christ called Concord. For those that sacrificed and gave and, and built this church, for those that continue our building upon it, and for those that are here today. We thank you, Lord, for our pastor that has been faithful, for our pastor's wife that has been faithful by his side, and, uh, and for the many things that they have given, and for, as well, the many things that this congregation has given to them as well. For the union, it's a beautiful, beautiful example, Lord, of what you wanted the shepherd of a church to do, is to plant their lives in a congregation through the seasons and the many seasons they have endured, the good times, the bad times, the in-between times, 
as they wrestled and prayed and worked through the years. Thank you, Lord, for what you have already done. But, Lord, you're not finished with them, and you're not finished with Concord Baptist Church. And, Lord, it is your desire to move us along. It is your desire to help us to grow in the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is your desire for us to become better stewards of that which you have given us. So this morning, Lord, may we just build on what you've already given to us. May we be allowed through the richness and power of your Holy Spirit to learn something new. And then, Lord God, to be able to apply that in each one of our lives. So, Lord, I pray the words and meditations of my heart will be pleasing unto you. That the name of Jesus and only Jesus would be lifted up and exalted. And I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit has the freedom to bring on conviction. Not only for anyone here that's not in Christ, but for those of us who are in Christ. That, Lord God, that you would have the freedom to convict us and that we would humble ourselves to you and ask for forgiveness and seek to grow in you more than when we first came in. Lord, may we redeem this time. Give us the ability to listen. Give us the ability not to wander and think about what's happening this afternoon. But may we be present. May we be in the now. May we allow your spirit to speak to us through the written word. And then may we respond. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, the pastor was in his study at church. He was doing his work, and all of a sudden, he got a phone call. He said, Pastor John, this is Joe from the IRS. Do you have a few minutes? I'd like to talk to you. Sure, Joe. How can I help you? Is Paul Singer a member of your congregation? Yes. Well, tell me about Paul. Well, he's a faithful member. He's a truthful man. He does things for us and he serves us well. I have a question for you, Pastor. Sure. Did Paul Singer give $10,000 to the church last year? The pastor said, he will. I always pick on somebody. It was Paul's turn today. Paul's turn today. Jesus spoke a number of parables, about 38. 16 of those 38 parables, he spoke on the issue of money or the issue of stewardship. Matter of fact, he spoke about it quite a bit. There are two greatest things in a person's life. The first is when you come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing is you growing in the understanding of what that relationship means and as it relates to stewardship. There are too many believers, there are too many disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who think that when a pastor gets in the pulpit and speaks about money, they turn it off, shut it down, and they leave. And yet the reality of it is that the pastor is trying to do you an incredible favor. That's right, favor. 
The pastor is trying to encourage you that you have to understand that the God's Word says that the tithe is holy unto the Lord. And in that holiness, he is trying to encourage you to become all what God wants you to become in Christ Jesus. But many, many believers shut the pastor off, shut him down. It always talks about money. But the reality is that if you take that which is his holy, you are under a curse. That's right. And God will not use you. And that's why many believers are never used in the kingdom work. They sit there. They do nothing. They never get involved in Sunday school. They never teach. They're never involved in ministry. They never have this sheer joy of helping someone come to faith in Jesus Christ. They leave it to someone else. But yet the reality is that God wants to use every single person in the harvest field. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but what? The workers are few. And the reason why the workers are so few is that the workers are not willing to trust God in all things. So my first question to you today, as you sit there, what are you doing with what God has put in your hand? Are you spending it all on yourself? Are you keeping it? Are you clutchers? From the moment that we are born, what do we do as a young boy and young girl? Their fists are what? Clutched. And God wants us to open up our hands and to receive the blessing of God. And you cannot receive the blessings of God unless you open up your hands and allow Him. And the beginning part of that blessing is the beginning of tithe. That's just the bare minimum, ladies and gentlemen. So we come upon a parable that Jesus is teaching. He's teaching in chapter 25 of Matthew. And in verse 14, he gives the parable of talents. And we're going we're gonna to take this down. And where is that individual who did that bell? All right, now. There ain't no bell happening here right now. <laughs> no, I do appreciate it because I, I get just gets just full steam ahead, and I appreciate him helping me uh, today. But there is still no bell. <laughs> Matthew chapter 25, reading in verse 14. I'm reading from the NIV version, the New International Version. Jesus says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, verse 16. The man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had, returned, who had received the one talent went out, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge. You've got to get this. I'll put you in charge of what? 
many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Isn't it interesting that in both cases, both receive the responsibility of many things. Fascinating. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew. Interesting. He didn't know, but he thought he knew. Do you think you know? Do you really think you know the master? The only way that you know the master, that if you read his playbook, that you read his story, that you read and become an understanding of the word of God. Do you know more about your cell phone? Do you know more about Virginia Tech? Then the word of God. Do you know more about your air conditioning or lighting than how much God loves you? This one talent man said, I knew. Oh, really? Oh, really? You really knew? I knew, he said in verse 24, I knew that you're a hard, hard man, harvesting where you're not sown and gathering where you're not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Look at the response. The master replied, you wicked, lazy, useless servant. Let's say that again. You wicked, you lazy, useless servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed? Well then, since you knew, you should have put money on deposit with the bankers so that I return, I would not receive it back with interest. Verse 28, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This parable of the talents is an incredible, incredible, incredible story. God does expect, let's hear that clearly, God does expect you to do something. God expects you to do something. I don't care today you're 32 or 92. You have still breath in your body, and God has not taken you home. You may want to go home, but he hadn't taken you yet. And in the meantime, what are you doing with what you have in your hand? The greatest need in Christianity today is not more spiritual food, not more spiritual Bible studies, but the greatest need today is more spiritual exercise for you to apply the Word of God in your life, for you to stop being lazy and useless to the Master and doing whatever 
you can possibly do for the cause of Christ. You using in your hand what he has given you. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Everything. I know that Brother Rick has three points. I have one point and a whole bunch of subpoints. Okay? So the first point, if you were writing it down, everything belongs to God in the first place. You come into this world with nothing, and guess what? You're going out. You're either going out with Jesus or you're not. And if you're sitting there today and you've been coming here and you've heard Pastor Rick week in and week out pleading with you to come to Jesus and you said that you know, you know that I'm going to hold on to the very end. You know, oh, well, I know that God will not send me to hell. No, God doesn't send you to hell. You send yourself. God's provided a plan, and his name is him. What's his name? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, come on now, his name is Jesus. And if you can't say the name, more than likely you don't know him in a personal way. Matter of fact, I'm kind of bold, kind of, sort of, and if you never even talked about Jesus, I wonder if you even know Jesus. I knew. You may know that you think you know, but you don't know. We were at a homes last night, and the folks blessed up, blessed us. They talked about the grandchildren. They talked about the grandchildren. They talked about the grandchildren. For those of us in the audience who have grandchildren, we love to talk about the grandchildren. But if you don't ever say the name of Jesus to anybody, listen, who are you serving? You're either serving Satan or you're serving yourself and you're petrified. And 1 Timothy says, God does not give us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but of power. So I don't know whether you're in Christ or not. The first thing, you've got to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to humble yourself and come to know him. You have to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. When's the last time you said to the Lord God, you're a sinner? When's the last time you humbled yourself to the Lord God and said, I've sinned against you, Lord God? Are you so arrogant? You are so indifferent. You think you're okay. I know, I know, I know. Oh, do you know? Do you know? Do you really know? Do you know that you're that you're going to go? Do you know that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Everything belongs to God in the first place. So let's look in verse 14. The first is God's entrusted resources to each one. Look what he says here. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and what? Entrusts his property to them. God gives things to all of us. He's the one who does it. And he gives us a lot. But the second thing, his, he dispute, his, his distribution is not always equally proportional. Look at verse 15. To one he gave what? Five. To another he gave what? Two. To another he gave one. 
Now, I know what the theme is in Virginia. The same thing in Virginia is the same thing in Georgia. That's just not fair. Well, let me give you something to think about. When you can create something out of nothing, when you can speak it into existence, when you can say, sun, stop at 93 million miles away, if you can tell the earth to spin on its axle at its right point, when you can take and create mankind out of dust, guess what? You can set up your plan. You can, you can do whatever you want. You can make the rules and regulations. But guess what? You can't do that. So God does. He's sovereign. God does whatever he, well, that's not fair. Who cares what you think? Who cares what you think? Who cares what you feel? He's the sovereign God. He says, I'm going to give what I want to give. So he gave five, two, and one. Let's say these are the three stewards. Uh-oh. I didn't mean that, buddy. You did a great job singing. You know, I just... Maybe, here we go. Five, two, one. Let's, let's, let's keep picking on Paul. How many of you love me to pick on Paul? Say amen. All right, we'll just keep on picking on Paul. Sorry, sir. Five, two, one. Okay? God did that. For some of you in the audience, he's done the same thing. He's, he's given some of you more things than others. Those of you in Christ, he's given you spiritual gifts. What are you doing with those gifts? John talks about if you don't use the gift, what's he going to do? He's going to cut it off. He's going to cut it off. What are your gifts? And if you don't know your gifts, what in the world, what are you doing? What are you talking? You don't know the gifts that you have? Whether it's the gift of exhortation, the gift of teaching, the gift of service, the gift of evangelism. What are you doing with what you have? And if you're not going to do with what you have, guess what? The Lord's going to take it away. He's going to take it away. So what are you doing with what you have now, not next year? And what? And look, a gift is not analyzing everybody and critiquing them. That is not a spiritual gift. Gossip is not a spiritual gift. Quit gossiping about people in leadership. What did he just say? You heard what I just said. Quit gossiping about leaders in leadership. It's easy to be in. <laughs> What's that called? It's easy to be in the balcony up there, throwing down here, isn't it? It's easy to be up there. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback. And we're really good in America with that. We pick everybody apart anymore. And now we're picking up pastors apart and we're picking one another apart. And we never even sit down with a person and ask them what's going on in their life. You don't even know what they're going through. Because you've already determined, I know what they're going through. Just like what this person said. I knew. So God gives as he sees fit. He dispenses the gifts. Verse 16 through 18 talks about that people do different things with the gifts. The five gift guy, right? Right here, the five gift guy. What's he do? He goes and gets some more. The two gift guy goes and gets more. So Paul, he does nothing. Paul does nothing at all. Paul, what's the matter with you, brother? 
They'll remember this because I'm picking on you. People do different things with their gifts. But it's a choice. You see, the Lord gives us the choice of salvation. Either you accept or reject, right? You choose. Now, this is not Golden Corral stuff. When we come to the Word of God, it's not the Golden Corral. It's not a buffet. You don't get to choose. You choose either Christ or not. Everybody with me? It's your choice. Once you get saved, He then gives you the choice to live the abundant life. John 10.10, 10, I've come to give you life and what? Live it what? More abundantly. And you have to apply yourself. You have to do something. It's like a rubber band. A rubber band is not useful until it's what? It's stretched. So when is the last time you guys are stretched? Spiritually. When is the last time you did something out of your comfort zone to see if that is what God wants you to do? But no, this is what we do. We think, we think serving the Lord is this. Can you believe that piano player today? She missed at least five keys. No, you didn't. I'm just... I don't even know what a key is, so, you know. <laughs> Can you believe the one that gave the announcer, the announcement? I mean, he stuttered. I don't know if you did or not. I'm just, I'm just, you see, that's not a gift. But somehow, people in churches today have become analysts. They've become football analysts. Because you listen to all this stuff, and you just start thinking that we're, well, this is the show. It's not the show. Pastor Rick is not a show. Karen is not a show. They are called and committed. They have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And a part of that, they have given their life to this body. And some of you have done likewise. But some of you have just taken your shoes off and you put them up on the rack. And you put them on the rack and say, oh, I'm just too old. Well, guess what? If you feel like you're too old, you're going to do nothing. And you start criticizing people. Just stop that. So well, how did you know that was going on? I have no clue. I, have, I could be off the ball here. But there may be one here. You think it's okay to critique everybody. And when you leave, you're going to have me for lunch. But guess what? I don't care whether you have me or not for lunch. Because I'm out of here. Are you feeling me on this? But the Spirit of God brought me here today to share some truth as it deals with spiritually. What is in your hand? What are you doing with what God has proportionally given you? So, we know the Scriptures teach that the tithe is holy to the Lord, right? All right? So, if you have $100, you want $100 with a curse or do you want $90 with a blessing? Let's have a show of hands. It's a participation thing. Let's, let's ask a question. How many of you would love to have $100 in your hand with a curse? Raise your hand, please. I don't see any. Well, no, stand up. Come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Let's do that again. So, 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 so this is my witness. Accountability is good. You always have to have accountability. How many of you would love to have $100 in your hand with a curse. Raise your hand. All right, all right. How many of you would like to have $90 in your hand with a blessing? 
Wait a minute. Yeah, no, no, no. Keep them up. Let's see if all of them, a couple in the back's not raising their hand. They're sleeping. Do you see that? <laughs> Put your hands down. Back at Westside, I remember one Sunday after church, someone came up to me and said, Pastor Ben, Pastor Ben, Pastor Ben, so-and-so is sleeping. Did you know it? Yeah. And I'm, you know, like I said, I'm really a calm preacher. I don't get real excited. Same monotone voice, you know, sinking. So I can't believe they're sleeping while you're preaching. I said, it's okay. What? It's okay. I'd rather have them here sleeping than someone else sleeping. I mean that. So if you need to fall asleep, praise the Lord. You may, hey, seriously now, come on now. Hey, that person may have worked all night, or that person may have heard that their best friend just got cancer, and they've been all night helping them. You see, we just don't know where people are walking. What, what do we do? We want to judge them. Can you believe that the lady up front that was leading the music was... Maybe her best friend died two hours ago, but her commitment to the Lord in this church is still so strong and her heart is hurting and her heart is broken. I hope it's not. And she still comes, but we take her apart. But once we, she tells us, man, do we want to call ourselves under a rug and say, man, why did I say that? I know none of you say judgmental things. I know none of you gossip. Right right. We all do it in some way or another until the Lord convicts us. So here these, these individuals, they did something. They did something with their gifts. Now look in verse 19. Verse 19 says, after a long time the master of the servants returned and settled accounts. Payday is coming. Did you hear what I said? It's coming. You will give an account. Now, a lot, of, a lot of pastors will get into what that accountability will be. And, man, I just want to tell you, I'm, I got the answer for it. I absolutely have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. But Jesus said payday is coming. I have no idea. All I know is when I get to heaven and God, God says, uh, uh, Ben, you're a sinner, and Jesus is going to stand and says, the blood covers Ben. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. How many say hallelujah? We ought to give Jesus a hand, right? We ought to give Jesus a hand, man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't deserve to be here, God the Father, but Jesus Christ has paid my price. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm saved. So there's going to be some kind of accountability for what we have. And yet, the thing is, you have to think about this spiritually. And it says there'll be no crying. So it's kind of, kind of hard. Because if I'm saying for Jesus and Jesus said, hey, man, you messed up over here, that's going to bring what? Tears. That's one of those mysteries. If payday is coming, and a lot of preachers will get in here and try to kind of scare you to death. I've learned, man, and I get hot. I can really preach and holler. I've learned you can't scare anybody anymore. It'd be just emotional. I'd rather people come with that emotion in the room than accepting Jesus. But I wish I could do something to, for you guys to become better stewards with what you have. I wish I could get a two-by-four, hit every one of you in the head. If that's what it would take. But that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. But their accountability is coming. Maybe more than accountability is here. I think it's more here because, because you, get so, you get so messed up stewardship-wise that you never get freed up. You always live in a state of debt. 
You go from one debt to another, or maybe one crisis to another, and you can never really get blessed by the Lord. I mean, a blessing. I mean, a blessing that just brings relief, tears to your eyes. And you feel so unworthy that the Lord would use you in that way. Okay? But the steward says accountability is here. So look what happens. Blessings come to those who move in faith. Verses 20 through 25. The man who received five talents brought the other five talents. Master, you've entrusted me with five. I've gained four more. And what's he say? He says what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe that's the accountability. I'm hearing Jesus says, well done. Rather than say, you didn't do anything. Again, trying to be honest with you, I don't know because the scriptures don't tell us. When the scriptures don't tell us, we can give our imagination, but sometimes preachers just say stuff and you just think it's gospel truth. But it's no, there's, no, there's no idea what the scripture says on the accountability. There's accountability coming. He says, well done, good and faithful. Then the man with the two talents come. He did the same thing. So what's Jesus say? Well done, good and faithful. He says the same thing. Then he says, oh, by the way, since you've done some more, here's some more stuff. I'm going to trust you some more. Are you getting it? I'm going to entrust you some more. Oh, if I do this, and if I do it the way the Lord wants me, he may give to something else. Why is it, why is it that that person always getting things done? Is because he's up off his you-know-what, getting things done. And you call him the pastor's pet, you call him teacher's pet or whatever. No, there's no pet thing about it. God's going to use people who will be a part of his work. Let's just be honest. I don't know how many of you come to Sunday school, but why aren't you coming to Sunday school? Give me a reason why you don't come. Well, I don't like the teacher. Well, be a teacher. Teach the children. There's some of you who hadn't seen Sunday school. Maybe, maybe you didn't come because you're ill. I understand. I'm just asking a question. I don't know. I don't know. But why aren't you in Sunday school week in and week out? Why are you not in God's Word week in and week out? What's keeping you? What in the world is keeping you from becoming a spiritual giant? Guess what's keeping you? You. You. You're keeping yourself. You're not putting yourself in a position for God to bless you and for God to use you. In both cases, the Lord blesses them. The Lord blesses them, those who move in faith. Remember, they just went and did something. What are you doing with what God has given you? And he blesses them. Whom do you trust? Doing nothing brings heartache to yourself and others. Look in verse 24 through 28. Then the man who received the one talent said, Master, I knew. I already gave you an hour. Get, talked about that in just a moment. I already did, rather. I knew that you were a hard man harvesting. So he says, what are you talking about? And then he uses these words in verse 26. You wicked, lazy. Coming from the Greek, it really means useless. Useless. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? To someone useless? I mean, the one who, 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 who knit you together in the mother's womb, who thought you were so special that I'm going to break the mold and I love you so much that I'm going to die on the cross and then for him who breathes life in you, looks in your eyes and say, you useless servant, can you imagine how hard that would be for the creator of God to say that to you? 
Could you ever imagine a mother saying that to a son or daughter? See, we read the scriptures and sometimes we, we, we don't let the scriptures speak to us. We just read it and just, oh, we just, oh, well, that's, well, that's someone else. Now, this is real. This is real stuff today. It is September 18th. Is that right? Yeah. 2022. Now, think about it. Probably every one of you had some form of COVID. And everybody's going to have COVID before it's all over. And many people died. And we don't know all the ins and outs of that. But you didn't. You're still here. Guess what? God wants to use you. What are you doing for the kingdom's sake? Why are you not out there knocking on doors for Jesus? Well, I don't know how. Well, you didn't, you didn't know how to use a cell phone. You didn't know how to drive a car. Some of us still don't know how to use a washing machine. But anyway, this is kingdom work. The pastor calls for visitation day. How many people are going to show up? Two or 42 and take this community for Jesus Christ. Do going out and doing the best that you can. And the Holy Spirit of God will use you. Study up a little bit and let the power of the Holy Spirit use you. Experience his power in your life. As disciples, we must realize that we are executors of the divine trust that the Lord has given us. And the Lord says to this servant, can you imagine, you wicked, useless servant. So you knew that I'll harvest where I'm not sown. You knew that I've gathered where I've not gathered seed. Well, then you should have still done something. Well, I've never done that before. Well, go try it. Go do it. Do Something. Verse 28 says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Imagine that sin. Imagine the humility of the one who has ten talents. And he's thinking, oh, by the grace of God, that could be me. For those of you who are blessed in this audience who had parents that brought you to church, hallelujah, praise the Lord. For those of you who one who shared Christ with you and you came to know Christ, when was the last time you told that person, thank you so much? If you don't like me, blame my wife, Cindy. It was her testimony. It was her walking in faith. I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord changed me. I was a messed up. You may be saying, well, you're still messed up. Well, God's not finished with me yet. That's all I got to say. 
Mel, you are a work in progress. You ought to be with my wife. You sit there, oh my, I feel sorry. I tell her I feel sorry for her all the time. All the time. Because I'm weird. But I love Jesus. I'm doing whatever he's called me to do. I'm going to do it with every fiber, with every ounce within me. Now, your, your fiber, your ounces will be different because you're unique. God's wired you. He's wired everybody differently. We don't do everything the same way, but we can do what? Something. So if I was bold enough to ask you this, do you tithe? I can't believe a preacher saying that. Why wouldn't a preacher? That's a spiritual condition. Because if you don't tithe, you're trusting in whom? Yourself. Now, you don't realize that. You're trusting yourself. You've already said that you don't want $100 with what? A curse. But do you realize that that's what you're doing? Now, I know you didn't come in here this morning and say, my goodness gracious, he's kind of direct. You weren't thinking about this, but this is what God wants for this congregation today. Maybe it's just one of you. The light bulb will come on. You say, hey, man, I'm going to get on my knees. If I can't get on my knees, I get on my knees in my heart and say, Lord, would you forgive me? I've depended upon myself. I've been trusting in myself. I've not been trusting you. And you're saved. This has nothing to do with salvation. You're saved. But you wandered away. You depended upon yourself. You depended upon other people. And, and before you know it, you just wandered away. It all happens to all of us. There's nobody perfect here. But you can come back to him. Come back to him in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of forgiveness, and say, Lord, you forgive me. This altar ought to be filled every Sunday morning. You know why? Because we ought to be a people of humility. We ought to be a people showing others that, hey, I don't have it together. But sometimes we think we have it together. And when we think I have it together, that impedes, watch this, that impedes others to come to Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? Because they're seeing you outside, and they see what you do. And then they see you in here. And they see no transformation power. They see no power. They see no life. They see no spirit. They see no humility. They see no kindness. They see no love. Well, I don't know who I'm speaking to. Maybe I'm speaking to myself. But I believe I'm speaking to somebody. I believe God's speaking to somebody. And you just kind of got off track. Guess what, man? We all do. We all do. I'm thankful for 1 John 1 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe those of you thought that you could do better with the tithe. Well, man, Concord, you know, man, Concord, they're not doing what I want them to do. Okay, and I'm going to use that in some way or other place. Mm, you have no authority according to scriptures. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, well, Pastor, I am not. I am. Jesus never talked about the tithe. Be careful about that, because Jesus was the letter of the law. He said every jot and tittle he fulfilled. He was a great Jew, and what were great Jews? What great Jews do? They not only gave 10%, they gave another 23.5% in other offerings. 
That's a whole other story for another day. But I'll never be doing the Friends of Bath to talk about that. So I just have to share that and throw that in real quickly, you know. So, Jesus was a good Jew. Good Jew. You say, well, Jesus didn't have any money. No, but, but I think he gave more than a tithe. What, what is the thing? Well, let, let me see. What did Jesus What did Jesus give? Remember, that's we were singing about that. The lentils. This is what he gave. And you're arguing over a tenth. Would you close your eyes? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment? When we give, we open up the door for God to bless us. We show Him that we trust Him. You see, stewardship is all about you and your relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about an ongoing relationship. It's an ongoing dependency. But when you shut your hand, what you're doing is you're robbing yourself of God blessing you. Really. You're robbing Him of His involvement in your life. I, I, I know that I know that maybe you didn't think of it that way. Well, that's the simplest way I can share that with you. When you do what God requires, God blesses. He said to the nation of Israel, test me in this. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven on you. Wouldn't you rather have a floodgate than nothing? Wouldn't you rather have God's blessing and God's curse. Is it time for you to get right with him in the area of stewardship, whatever that means? Maybe I'm talking to someone here that, that you have learned tithe, but the Lord has told you to give offerings and you keep on saying no. I don't know. Is it time for you to obey him? What is it that God's blessed you for you to bless someone? I don't know. See, that's the ongoing relationship. That's the communication that he desires to have with you. So in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. <laughs> we sing it, but, but, but it's, it's, it's a crazy song. It says, I surrender all. No, we don't. I surrender a little. I surrender whatever I want to surrender, which is true, right? But do you, do I surrender all? Would you begin that journey of transferring ownership to really to him? And whatever that means for you, for those of you that have been with us in the stewardship seminar, is it time for you to make a commitment?
It's a time for you to say, Lord, you have everything. Oh, and Lord, you have me. May I be obedient. May I do something now. Father God, as we stand in just a moment, as we allow your Holy Spirit to lead us, would you give us courage? Would you give us the courage to respond? And maybe it's one person's response today that would open up others to respond. It would open up that floodgate of encouragement for someone else to respond. And that is a way of encouraging the body of Christ. Lord, I pray if there are any persons in here today that's not in Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As Pastor Rick gives you the opportunity to receive Jesus, I too give you the opportunity. You've put them, you've put here, you keep on putting them off. Maybe you're here today for the first time. I don't know, because I don't know people here. But maybe you've been here for a month, and you're checking this Jesus out. And you've heard much about Jesus. And it's a little bit different, but you know that he died on the cross. He was resurrected from the dead, and he loves you. And you're sitting there, and you don't feel loved. But Jesus loves you. Would you repent of your sin? What are you repenting of? You're repenting of your non-belief, not trusting Jesus. That's what it is. You've been dependent upon yourself. And you want to ask Jesus, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and my trust in you. My sin of unbelief, whatever way. And Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. And would you please come into my heart and give me that the best way I know how and I surrender myself the best way I know how Jesus I mean it Jesus please come into my heart maybe today that is something that you just prayed or you're, you're praying it right now congratulations if you did it's the greatest decision in just a moment, I'm going to kneel down here. If you made that decision, I just want to rejoice with you. I want to shake your hand and congratulate you on the greatest decision. There'll be others here to help you on what your next step is, and you can talk to Pastor later. But you take that first step. But maybe for others here today, the Holy Spirit has kind of Grab your heart in the area of stewardship. And there's wide ranges of that, right? Maybe you've not been tithing. Maybe you're tithing or something else or whatever it is. We don't know. Just because you're responding, you're not telling people you're not tithing. But you know there's something that the Lord wants to do in your life. And just taking a step out is the beginning. Giving you the courage to step out. You can come and just stand here or kneel. If you can't kneel, just stand here and just have a little prayer, you and the Lord. You may say, well, why do you need to do that? Because there's something about responding to the Spirit of God in the moment of Him talking to you. And sometimes God leads people to stand 
or to kneel or to sit and pray because that is an encouragement to someone else who wants to respond but is just a little bit timid. And God, in his stewardship, uses us at all levels. And sometimes he uses us and we don't even know it. That's the best part. In just a moment as I finish this prayer, we're going to stand and sing, I surrender all. But if the Lord is dealing with you and you need to respond, you come. If I can help you or pray for you in any way, my wife Cindy is here. If she can help any lady here, she's a pastor's wife for 30 plus years. She's done so much counseling. We are here to help. We're just here to encourage. We're here to challenge. That's right, challenge. In whatever way or ways that you need. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand and sing, and then you respond as the Lord leads you. But take the courage, because you never know that your coming could be the very thing that the person behind you or in front of you is needing encouragement to respond. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this parable. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be useless, that we can do something. Give us courage today. Give us courage to say yes to you. And in saying yes to you, we respond accordingly. Give us courage even right now here because, Lord, if we don't respond in here, then more than likely when we get out there and when Satan is really working, we might even think about it. But we respond in here, he will so do something to us to encourage us to take a stance out there. So, Lord, may you move in this time of invitation. It's in the name of Jesus. Would you stand? It's hymn number 275, I surrender.